click drive time keeping you informed and inspired we love god we ought to be able to talk about him getting you started on your day with the latest in breaking news and information from the vatican to the white house and everything in between it's serious it's fun it's your catholic drive time now here's your host joe mcclain Speed of Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Good morning to you. Praise be to God. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you on this Tuesday, August the 23rd, 2022, on the Feast of St. Rose of Lima. Here's a question. Has our beloved Congress finally solved the historic inflation crisis that we've been facing? Well, 77% of Americans say no, but nonetheless... We've asked EJ and Tony to join us from the Heritage Foundation to discuss the Inflation Reduction Act and what it means to you. 87,000 new IRS agents, that's got to have some kind of impact. We're going to find out at 35 past the hour. Hey, also at 15 past the hour, Cardinal Becciu has been reinstated by Pope Francis. Really? He's uh, He was sort of uh, stripped of all of his duties as a cardinal back in 2020. Why is he being asked to... Uh, get involved again we're going to have that conversation as well about the controversial passing or the controversial archbishop rembert weekland who passed last night keep his soul in your prayers today he came out as openly homosexual they spend millions covering up some of his abuses and in 2002 a cardinal or oh, then archbishop dolan replaced him so we're going to be conversating about that at 15 past the hour brent haynes is going to be our guest at the top of the next hour to catch us up on a story where a judge threw out a case where parents were demanding schools be open and transparent about how they were helping their kids make secretive transing choices. We're going to conversate about that the next hour. Hey, lots of stories in the news, of course. There have been a drastic increase of non-infectious diseases that somehow coincide with the uh, vaccines in the military, but don't worry, the whistleblower has been fired, so no stress there. Hey, Breitbart uh, Business Digest suggests 46% of economists say that the uh, the Fed's economic policy is just about right. Documents show that the White House under the Biden administration had very, uh, very intimately involved, you know, process in that uh, raid on Mar-a-Lago for Donald Trump. They had to waive his executive privilege to make that happen. So what happened to, I had no foreknowledge one more time. Hey, Dr. Fauci is going to be retiring, God, but he's going to make a lot of money, so don't worry about it. And uh, guess what? It looks like there's another 80s icon about to be utterly ruined. Ferris Bueller's day off <laughs> is no longer being protected. It is going to come out with a new spinoff, and it's in the works. So uh, anyway, good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. And uh, what I'd like to announce, too, I'm retiring as well. Bueller. December. Bueller. Uh, Bueller. I've also heard that A Christmas Story got a remake. Did you? So, have you ever seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off? I think I have. What do you yes. mean you think you have? Uh, Are you suggesting I hired you without asking that question first? I, I think I have seen that movie, although I don't remember anything about it <clears throat> other than don't they steal a car in that movie? They No, they borrow his father's Ferrari, which happens to be an, an ultimately very rare car uh, and then they take it on a sort of a, a stroll downtown and uh it's the uh okay it was the uh what do you call those guys that park cars the valet it was the valet that really took it for a, a joyride spin of course he did yeah 
Well, yeah. I'll tell you a funny story about that later. In, in the, the after, after show? show. Oh. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, funny stories, uh, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Turning your mic on is better nine out of 47 uh, times. The mic is on. Just turned down. <laughs> good morning to you. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Anything good in your world? Anything good in my world? Um, hmm. Well, there is a, the sun is about to come up. That's a good thing, right? A praise be to so, God. Other than that, you're, um, yeah, I can't think of anything in particular. Actually, Adrian, uh, you know, I hate to jump in before the news segment, but mm -hmm. actually mm -hmm. the sun broke. So oh, sun. there won't well, be any more no sun. More sun today. That's awkward. Yeah, yeah. Well, everybody. with all that seeding of clouds in China to help get rainfall, <laughs> maybe that's what caused it. Who knows? Well, Who knows? There you go, folks. I all guess, right. Uh, no sun today. <laughs> Praise be to God. It's good to uh, have everybody enjoy its moods today. We have so much to cover. Let's pray. Let's get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Tuesday, August 23rd, and here are your headlines this morning. The Daily Caller reports Fauci stepping down as Biden's chief medical advisor and the NIAID director. Fauci announced Monday that he plans to step down from various government roles in December, saying, quote, After more than 50 years of government service, I plan to pursue the next phase of my career while I still have so much energy and passion for my field. I want to use what I've learned as the NIAID director to continue to advance science and public health and to inspire and mentor the next generation of scientific leaders as they help prepare the world to face future infectious disease threats, he wrote. Breitbart reports, thanks, comrade. Famed you of uh, University of Maryland professor created surveillance machine for communist China. The University of Maryland professor Dinesh Manoka, a decorated scholar in AI and robotics, created a machine learning software useful for surveillance that can read people's personalities and predict their behavior for the Chinese tech giant Alibaba. Minoka built the software as a part of a six-figure research grant from Alibaba, which wanted to classify the personality of each pedestrian and identify other biometric features. These capabilities will then be used to predict the behavior of each pedestrian and are useful for surveillance, the document read. The 2018 contract signed by the University of Maryland in Alibaba raises concerns that the U.S. US taxpayer-funded university has directly contributed to the Chinese Communist Party's surveillance capabilities. Ground News reports wanted 7,000 construction workers for Intel chip plants. A $20 billion semiconductor manufacturing operation near the state's capital was announced by Intel earlier this year. When the two factories known as FABs open in 2025, the facility will employ 3,000 people with an average salary of about $135,000. To win the project, Ohio offered Intel roughly $2 billion worth of incentives, including a 30-year tax break. And Breitbart reports Jersey Shore Christians accused of bullying LGBT uh, Q plus uh, LMNOP for building cross-shaped ocean pier. A community along the Jersey Shore, established as a Methodist retreat in 1869, is building a pier out of its boardwalk shaped like a cross, prompting outrage from a neighboring LGBT enclave. 
The cross-shaped pier has ignited a clash between the two communities. A local decries the project as Christian bullying. Members of the small seaside town's LGBT community are, and allies are saying the cross crosses a line, but many are afraid to voice their grievances with the Camp Meeting Association, said Douglas Grote, a local resident and retired Presbyterian pastor. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Blessed James of Mavania. He was born in Bavania in Umbria, Italy in 1220. Very early in life, prodigies surrounded Blessed James. From the day of his birth, three brilliant stars, each containing the image of a friar preacher, appeared in the sky over Bavagna, and children ran through the streets crying, To the schools! To the schools! Behold, the new master's heaven is sending us. The three preachers were later understood to be James, Blessed Ambrose of Siena, and St. Thomas Aquinas. James was given a good education and was carefully trained in the ways of holiness. The power of his prayers was seen early when, still a small child, he brought about peace between two quarreling families. At the age of 16, he met the Dominicans. Two friars had come to preach in his native city during Lent, and deciding after much prayer that God was calling him to the Dominican apostolate, he went home with the two missionaries and began his novitiate. The early promises of his great learning were fulfilled in an age that shone with the brilliance of Albert, Thomas, and Bonaventure. The preaching of James of Bavagna was still remarkable. He was particularly gifted at reconciling enemies and bringing peace to warring families and cities. James was very severe with himself, particularly in the matter of poverty. On one occasion, his mother, shocked at the poor condition of the habit he was wearing, gave money to buy a new one. He wanted very much more to get a crucifix for his cell. He did so. His mother reminded him that the money was given for clothing. James replied with the text, Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, assuring her that this was a garment he had bought with her gift. At another time, praying before the same crucifix, James was overcome with a sense of his own unworthiness and begged of God some sign that his soul was to be saved. Blood gushed from his hands inside of the figure of the cross, and a voice from heaven told him that his token of God's favor would reassure him. Some of the miraculous blood was preserved for more than two centuries, kept at the tomb of Blessed James. It worked many miracles, but it was later stolen by heretics. Forewarned of the hour of his death, James was assured that Our Lady would come to meet him, because he had often sacrificed to adorn her altars. She came at the time foretold, and James went happily with her into the presence of God. He died in 1301 at Mavania, Italy, of natural causes. His cultus was confirmed by Pope Boniface IX in 1400, and again on May 18, 1672, by Pope Clement X. Blessed James of Mavania, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 23, verses 23 through 26. Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You pay tithes of mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier things of the law, judgment and mercy and fidelity. But these you should have done without neglecting the others. 
like blind guides who strain out the gnat and swallow the camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of plunder and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, cleanse first the inside of the cup so that the outside also may be clean. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Hilary would say, He therefore is reproving those who, pursuing an ostentation of useless scrupulosity, neglected the discharge of useful morality. For it is the inside of the cup that is used, if that be foul, what profit is it to cleanse the outside? And therefore what is needed is purity of the inner conscience, that those things which are of the body may be clean without, close quote, St. Hilary, pray for us. The Ignatius Catholic Commentary points out today that the Pharisees scrupulously adhered to this small command, but neglected greater and more important principles for justice, mercy, and faith are the foundations of the Mosaic Law and should inspire all obedience to God. They also go to point out, you know, and I love these little details, they strain the gnat. They actually did strain their liquid through a cloth to prevent the gnats, which was considered an unclean animal, uh, from being inside their liquid, and they didn't want to have to drink and eat an unclean thing. So I think that's very uh, fascinating little level of detail that the Lord is providing to us in the Gospel today. One of the larger unclean animals was the camel. And so Jesus contrasts, uh, his contrast exposes the Pharisees for observing the minute laws of God at the expense of the greater principles of spiritual life. Here's what St. Jerome had to say. He says, quote, The Lord had commanded that for the maintenance of the priest and the Levites, whose portion was the Lord, tithes of everything should be offered in the temple. Accordingly, the Pharisees, to dismiss mystical expositions, concerned themselves about this alone, that these trifling things should be paid in, but lightly esteemed other things which were weighty. Did you catch what St. Jerome just said. They were very, very particular about ensuring that their tithes were collected properly and to the max. It's almost like they had 87,000 new IRS agents to help them make sure that every American has to pay, right? Uh, St. Jerome would go on to say, quote, he charges them with the covetousness in exacting carefully the tithes of worthless herbs. While they neglected justice in their transactions of business, mercy to the poor, and faith toward God, which are weighty things. St. Jerome would go on to say, The greater of God's commands we swallow and overlook, but show our carelessness by a religious scrupulousness in little things which bring profit with them. Close quote, St. Jerome, pray for us. All right, coming up after the break, we're going to talk about Cardinal Betchew and Archbishop Weekland from Milwaukee. All that's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back. Share this with a friend. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need a mercy. I need a savior. 
Seventh-day Adventists use Ecclesiastes 9.10 to argue that souls in heaven aren't cognitively aware of our prayers because the inspired author says that souls don't have any knowledge in the afterlife. But this objection fails because the inspired author was operating with a limited and vague view of the afterlife without New Testament revelation. When we come to the New Testament, it's a whole new ballgame. Consider Revelation 5.8, where 24 presbyters, human souls, surround Jesus and offer him the prayers of Christians on earth in the form of incense. How could they do this if they weren't cognitively aware of all those prayers? So just because an Old Testament passage speaks of the afterlife in a way that's not compatible with the intercession of the saints... It doesn't follow that the Catholic doctrine is proven unbiblical. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, E.J. Antoni is going to be our guest from the Heritage Foundation talk about the Inflation Reduction Act. Has Congress finally solved our inflation woes? We're going to have that conversation. Spoiler, no, of course not. We all know that. But what is, in fact, in that act? Uh, EJ and Tony's going to give us the breakdown, uh, so stick around for that if you can. And don't forget, coming up at the top of the next hour, Brent Haynes is going to be our guest, returning to talk about a story about a judge throwing out a case where parents were trying to force their school to be open and honest about their secretive dealings with their children behind closed doors on trans issues. Uh, all that coming up at the top of the next hour. Uh, there are, as I say, lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. One of which has been we've been waiting to find out what is the uh, going to be the fallout from the Vatican financial trials, uh, you might recall there's been tremendous scandal involved in money being sent to Rome from donors across the world and it being used in part to, say, finance the movie about uh, the uh, uh, the pop singer. What's his name? I forget his name. The uh, gay biopic uh, story there. Like, I forget what that name is, like the Rocket King or something, whatever that movie was about, um, like why did we spend money on that? And then, of course, there was the apartment flat or the condo flat deal in London that also uh, didn't go well. We lost a ton of money there. And so there's been a, an ongoing financial. Elton John. Uh, thank you, Elton John. <laughs> I was like, I can't remember either. <laughs> it took you a minute or two. I mean, you probably have all of his hits anyway, Rudy. So it's true. Uh, yeah. But at any rate, uh, <laughs> lots of financial scandals over the years. And then, of course, in 2020, there was a further scandal. Uh, Cardinal Betchiu was accused of sending money to Australia and the some would say was used to work against uh, the trial of of Cardinal Pell, which he ended up in uh, solitary confinement for what? It was a year and a half or two years or something before he was finally released and his case was overthrown by the Australian Supreme Court. Yeah, I believe it was about a year or so. Yeah, at least. And we were just waiting to see what yeah. would come out of it. So uh, lots of mystery surrounding Cardinal Becci. Well, His Holiness Pope Francis removed him from all of his cardinal duties in 2020. Uh, didn't remove the title, uh, although I did for a time think that he did. But uh, it, I was corrected, and he is still a cardinal. Well, there is reports out now that he's being reinstated. Uh, the trial isn't even over. 
and he's already being reinstated? Like, what does this mean? Well, there's an article out of the National Catholic Register. It says, Cardinal Betchew reinstated by Pope Francis? Let me read to you this uh, real quick, this article. It says, Cardinal Angelo Betchew, the former prefect of the congregation for the causes of saints who resigned from all positions in the context of an alleged, an alleged financial scandal, has said he will participate in the next consistory, August the 29th through the 30th. He said he will also participate in the consistory for creating new cardinals on August the 27th. Cardinal Becciu announced the news during a private mass celebrated in uh, Golfo Aranci in his native Sardinia, where he is spending a holiday. I mean, if he has no duties, isn't every day a holiday? Just curious how that works. True. Uh, if true, the decision appears to have come directly from Pope Francis. Since the Pope's decision to remove Cardinal Becciu from the office was personal, it is likely that the invitation to the Italian Cardinal to participate in the upcoming consistory can also be considered a personal decision to the pontiff, or of the pontiff, rather. In other words, there might not be any formalization of reinstatement, merely a brief confirmation that Francis did invite the 74-year-old from the Holy See. The resignation of Cardinal Becciu from all his Vatican offices and the renunciation of the cardinalate prerogatives was announced on September the 24th, 2020, in a uh, sparse communication from the Holy See Press Office published late in the evening. Subsequently, Cardinal Becciu made it known that the Pope told him in an audience that same evening that he no longer trusted him and that there were accusations of embezzlement against him. The allegations were then officially made in the so-called Vatican, quote, trial of the century, close quote, which sees Cardinal Becciu among the ten defendants. Cardinal Becciu is charged with embezzlement, money laundering, fraud, extortion, and abuse of office. The trial focuses on the purchase of a luxury property in London by the Secretary of State. Cardinal Becciu also faces charges for allocating money from the Secretary of State to Caritas in his native region. I find not mistaken, there was also a, a situation where he was being accused of laundering money to his brother in a, in a construction company back in the home country, too. That sounds like a movie, Joe. Yeah. Well, most things do these days. <laughs> uh, so at any rate, uh, the article just basically states that it's not clear at this point whether or not the cardinal is going to be fully rehabilitated or simply as a courtesy, a gesture of courtesy by His Holiness Pope Francis to say, hey, the guys are getting together, okay? All the red hats are going to be get gathering up in Rome for a new consistory. Why don't you come hang out? It just wouldn't be the same without you, bro. You know, you know? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I know we had our differences, but... Yeah. You know what I found interesting was you, before he relieved him of all his duties, the Pope went and celebrated Mass at his private residence. So they got together for dinner. The Pope celebrated Mass at his residence and then removed him of all his du cardinal duties. D is that... Am I just... Is that... That seems weird. I don't know. Maybe it's a... Uh... Is that a merciful thing? Yeah, maybe it's just, uh, I don't know. Were they friends before? I'm not sure. Hmm. That kind of stuff doesn't I don't know. get reported very oh, often. I remember right? just, I remember mentioning it when it first came out, and I'm like, that seems strange to me. I don't know. It seems cordial. Does it? Seems cordial Is to that, me. You know, when you get fired, you you're always your boss comes over, hangs out for dinner, and then fires you? Like, that's a you thing? Wouldn't, you wouldn't have a meal with me before you fired me? No. 
Really? Absolutely not. Oh, man. Uh, no. Well, that's... Millstination well, the whole way. Okay. I <laughs> <sighs> see yeah. how things are now. <laughs> At any rate, wow. uh, so well, I guess we're going to have to see how this progresses. But as of right now, it's not a full reinstatement. But could this be the, the sort of the seed for, for coming back and uh, getting the band back together? I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see how it goes. There's another story that I think is of grave concern, too. And this one for uh, the repose of the soul of Archbishop Weakland, who died yesterday at the age of 95. Now, you may or you may not remember or know that Archbishop Weakland was the, uh, he was the bishop in, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. But in 2002, when he retired or was, you know, replaced, uh, Dolan took over. Dolan was in St. Louis, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, came in to take over. Dolan is from Wisconsin, so he had family there and whatnot. There was a grave scandal in the Archdiocese at the time because it came out that Weakland was a, an active homosexual and was covering up uh, relations he was having with a seminarian to the tune of, I think, millions of dollars. And it, was, it shook the diocese. And Dolan was expected to clean that up until, of course, he was moved to New York and made a cardinal. Here's a little bit of this article. It says, Archbishop Rembert Weekland, a Benedictine who served as Archbishop in Milwaukee from 77 to 2002, died overnight on Monday. Weekland died after a long illness the night of August the 21st through the 22nd at Clement Manor in Greenfield, a Milwaukee suburb. The Archbishop was a progressive who had advocated for the priestly ordination of women. His resignation as Milwaukee's Archbishop came after revelations uh, that the Archdiocese had paid 450000 to a Paul Marco, an adult male seminarian with whom he had sexual relations. Now, a minute ago I said millions. Maybe I'm wrong about that number. This article from the CNA says 450000 but I thought I remembered earlier reports to the tune of millions, but I could be definitely wrong about that. Uh, the article goes on to say Archbishop Jerome Lestecki of Milwaukee commented on August the 22nd that, quote, for a quarter of a century, Archbishop Weakland led the Archdiocese of Milwaukee and his leadership embodied his Benedictine spirit. His pastoral letter, Eucharist Without Walls, evoked his love for the Eucharist and its call to service. During his time, he emphasized an openness to the implementation of the teachings of the Second Vatican Council, including the role of laymen and women in the church in celebration of the sacred liturgy, ecumenical dialogue, and addressing societal issues, especially economic justice. May he now rest in peace, close quote. Archbishop Lestecki from Milwaukee. Well, Weakland was born in 27 in Pennsylvania, attended the minor seminary run by St. Vincent Arch Abbey in Latrobe. He was uh, professed as a member of the Order of the St. Benedict at the Abbey in 1946 and took solemn vows in 49, ordained a priest in 51. But did you know that Archbishop Weakland was a music scholar? Yeah, he's also got a very interesting connection to the Novus Ordo Mass. Maybe you did not know this either, but he was made a consultor to the Concilium, the committee that inspired the Sacros, uh, in, interpreted rather, in Sacrosanctum Concilium, and that was responsible for preparing the revised order of the Mass, or what we now call the Novus Ordo, following the Second Vatican Council in 1964. He was made a member of the Concilium in 68. In 67, he was appointed uh, Abbot Primate of the Order of St. Benedict, 
He was appointed Archbishop of Milwaukee in 77, consecrated a bishop that year. He served there until his retirement at the age of 75 in 2002. So he was allowed to retire in spite of the controversy. His own sexual abuse and his poor handling of abuse by other priests led to the renaming uh, in 2019 of the Weekland Center, which holds the offices of the Cathedral of St. John the Evangelist. Weekland said he began having homosexual relationships after his Episcopal consecration, and he dissented from the church's teaching on the immorality of sodomy. Again, he was allowed to retire, even though there was grave controversy. He came out publicly admitting after his retirement that he was an open homosexual. He embraced that. I mean, he, I guess you could say he predated the German Synod by decades. You know, I hate to say this, but uh, there's a lot, there were a lot of prelates who held this opinion in private mm-hmm. even before the Second Vatican Council. Yeah. So something happened. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we were talking to a friend who was doing some research, speaking of Milwaukee, um, uh, Wisconsin. She was doing some research in some archives up there and um, at a shrine, and she saw a bunch of controversy in the correspondence from the 1950s mm-hmm. about modernism and, and uh, controversy about uh, priests not saying mass well and embracing sort of these new crazy ideas and, and espousing them in homilies. So, you know, it wasn't new. I mean, these, these no, ever since the not. fall of man, we've had controversy and and breakdown, but I think it's especially scandalous when an archbishop is allowed to uh, keep his position, even though he's uh, accused of these grave scandals, which he admitted to and was guilty of, and paid out hundreds of thousands of donor dollars to cover up, and and then embraced, you know, all kinds of heresy. And I guess he just gets to go off into the sunset like that. And there was no disciplinary action from the Holy See on the issue. I mean, it's it's a it's a grave scandal. Two thousand two, we're talking JP two. You know, why didn't uh, Benedict XVI lay the hammer on this? I mean, it just seems very strange to me as a result to all of this. But nonetheless, we must pray for the repose of Weakland's soul. We pray that he died in a state of grace, repentant, and all the rest, but we do not know. So let's, let us pray for him today. All right, we're going to go to a break. We're going to come right back. We're going to jump into the Inflation Reduction Act. Congress to the rescue. Is that the case? Well, we've asked... EJ Anthony to be our guest from the Heritage Foundation. All that and the news is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, you've got to believe in yourself? G.K. Chesterton says, the people who believe in themselves are all in lunatic asylums. You have to believe in something outside yourself. You have to believe that there is a greater reality than the one inside your head. If the only thing you believe in is yourself, your world will become very small, about the size of a padded cell. We live in a world that rejects the worship of the one true God and has substituted something called the God within. But as Chesterton says, if Jones is told to worship the God within, it ultimately means that Jones shall worship Jones. And that's not going to work. Want more than a minute? Visit us at Chesterton.org. 
Instead of fighting the crowds, isn't it so much easier to hop online and do your shopping in the comfort of your own home? Did you know that you can help the Guadalupe Radio Network when you shop online? All you need to do is shop on Amazon Smile and 0.5% of your purchase goes to the GRN. Just go to AmazonSmile.com and select La Promesa Foundation as your nonprofit of choice. La Promesa is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio. It's that simple to give a little extra help to the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired and now more headlines. The National Catholic Register reports religious sisters become pioneers of hydroelectric power in Africa. Sister Alfonsine in her convent in the eastern Congolese city of Miti raised nearly $300,000 to build the plant. The new facility powers not only the convent, but also the church, two schools, and a clinic, all free of charge. Sister Alfonsine, who's 55, used skills she learned from studying mechanical engineering to help accomplish the project. Electricity continues to be a luxury in many parts of Africa, hampering development, preventing adequate health care, and making it harder for millions to escape poverty. Only 42% of the continent's uh, population has electricity access, and that falls to around 8% in rural areas. The Daily Wire reports American Academy of Pediatrics ripped for refusing to say surge in trans kids comes from social contagion, as in social media. After a fierce attack was launched on the American Academy of Pediatrics for its apparent refusal to acknowledge the fact that soaring numbers of children are claiming to be transgender due to social contagion, the AAP President Mayora Sislagi, I hope I pronounced that right, issued a weak rebuttal insisting that the AAP is committed to following the evidence and basing our recommendations on the best science. The critics concluded of the American Academy of Pediatrics that its preference for fashionable political positions over evidence-based medicine is a disservice to the member to member physicians, parents, and children. And the Epic Times reports Biden administration denies DC mayor's second request for National Guard help. The Pentagon has denied Washington DC Mayor Muriel Bowser's second request to mobilize the National Guard to deal with an influx of illegal immigrants sent from the southern border states after federal officials freed them. In a letter to Bowser, Defense Department Executive Secretary Hawley said that Guard personnel weren't trained to assist immigrants and activation would lead to diminished readiness of the troops. Speaking on the situation, Governor Abbott from Texas said, Frankly, I don't know of a larger crisis facing our country right now. Before we began busing migrants to New York, it was just Texas and Arizona that bore the brunt of all the chaos and problems that come with it. Now the rest of America can understand exactly what is going on. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Joining us now by Zoom chat is E.J. Antoni. He is a research fellow at the Heritage Foundation in Economics, and we're very glad uh, for his time today. Good morning to you, Mr. Antoni. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, praise be to Jesus. Thank you for your time. Uh, let's talk about the, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act. I found it very interesting. According to even an, uh, an NBC poll uh, recently, 71% of Americans said uh, that they think this is going to make things worse. I think that speaks volumes. NBC, 71%. That's quite a majority there. What is the deal with the Inflation Reduction Act? Well, I think that poll shows that people are not buying into the marketing hype. This is the naming of this bill that is 
was the greatest example of deceptive marketing that we have today, something that we used to call lying, but I think that's a little <laughs> too old fashioned for Washington these days. Uh, no, there, there's really nothing in this bill that's going to reduce inflation. In fact, we only have things that are going to exacerbate price increases, whether that's energy specifically or uh, pharmaceuticals, right, drug prices, or even just the price level overall. I found that interesting in your article, which was posted up at the uh, Heritage, Heritage.org, the deceptive marketing of the Inflation Reduction Act, is you talked about the angle on energy. Can you explain to me how this uh, act, the Inflation Reduction Act, will actually impact me or our listeners at the pump? Oh, absolutely. So people don't realize how much energy impacts uh, everything we do and, and everything we buy. But if we want to look at just those energy prices specifically, we now have new taxes on coal, on oil, on natural gas. So we're going to have additional taxes on things like gasoline that will drive help drive up the price at the pump. Uh, everything that's transported on a truck, a train, a plane, a boat, anything that uses fuel is obviously going to have increased costs now. So those costs will be passed on to additional goods and services. Uh, again, people really underestimate how much energy prices are going to trickle down into everything we do and everything we buy. Uh, more than half of our electricity, for example, still comes from fossil fuels. That's going to increase prices for electricity users, a.k.a. everyone. So, all right, we just come, we, we, we edged off of $5 a gallon nationally, uh, but I think only because we've been dumping strategic oil into the market there. But how, I, I, how, does, taxing, how does taxing all of that, fossil fuels, equate to reducing inflation? How do, they, why, how do they make this connection? Well, actually, it's not even so much that we're dumping oil into the market from the strategic reserve, but it's the fact that demand has just absolutely collapsed. To put it into context, if you look at the four-week moving average for gasoline consumption in July, that actually fell below where it was in July of 2020, exactly two years prior. And that was at a point when we had mandatory lockdowns and it was illegal for you to leave your home and go out and drive places. So that's how much the, the demand for gasoline has utterly collapsed. But wow. uh, to, to address your question, there is absolutely nothing about taxing energy that's going to reduce the cost of energy. This is about penalizing the middle class. This is about trying to force the middle class to not use as much energy, not provide relief to the middle class. I liked how simple you stated it in your article. So you say, quote, inflation is fundamentally a problem of too much money chasing too few goods and services. So we print money on demand. We send trillions or billions of dollars anyway to the Ukraine. We continue, I think, 700 million just this past week. Um, uh, so it seems to me like to reduce inflation, you need to take some of this currency out of circulation. But that is not their plan at all. No, not at all. And, you know, it's interesting if if the Democrats really want not just the Democrats, but the Republicans, too, if members of Congress really want those 87,000 IRS agents that are coming for the middle class, if they really want those agents to find some of our tax dollars, they could probably find it very easily if they just went to Ukraine and, and looked for a few minutes. <laughs> but, you know, that that being said, there is, again, nothing in this bill that will address inflation. There's nothing in this bill that is going to reduce the amount of currency in circulation. There's nothing in this bill that is going to increase the relative amount of goods and services in the economy. Again, those taxes on energy make everything more expensive, and that only reduces the production of goods and services, not increases it. So again, it only exacerbates this imbalance 
between the quantity of money and the quantity of goods and services in the economy. All right, so we're going to see increases in the would do you do you think that's going to happen 2023 is it going to be still 2022? When are we going to see the the rise in everything because as you pointed out everything comes on a plane, a boat, a truck, you know, and as a result our food, all the stuff we get at Amazon, all of that has to suffer from that, no? Absolutely, but because of things like contracts uh, and because of our very complicated uh, supply chain and logistical network, some of these things take a very long time before they trickle out. Certain prices, for example, are only adjusted about once a year. Rents are a very good example of that. When you get a, when you have a uh, an apartment, for example, that you rent, you lock into that price typically for 12 months, and that price cannot change for those 12 months, no matter what increased costs your landlord is facing, which is why sometimes at the end of that year, the landlord has to dramatically increase the rent in order to cover the dramatic increase in costs that he or she has been having to pay for the last 12 months. So some of these costs are going to be borne out very quickly, but we are right now today still seeing some of the trickle-down effect of the increase in energy prices that happened a year ago. Mm. So by no means is this going to be a, a sudden shock to the system, but more so a slow trickle that's going to happen over the next couple of years. So, okay, it, let's just say there's a dramatic turn in the midterms. Do you see that affecting this in some way? If let's just say uh, the, the, the Republicans get control of both houses, I don't think that's projected to happen. But nonetheless, let's just say they get the Senate, they get the House. Uh, would they be able to overturn all of this? Is it too late? Uh, is this spending now set in stone? You know, un- unfortunately, well, take this with a grain of salt, I suppose, because I'm a monetary scientist, not a political scientist. But that being said, you know, once the Republicans uh, take back control of the House and the Senate, if that actually happens, they're really not going to be in a position to have a veto-proof majority. In other words, everything that they pass can just be stonewalled by Joe Biden in the White House. So it's not so much that things will be reversed as the damage will stop. So at that point, they're playing damage control and not really reversing things. Unfortunately, the country would probably have to wait until 2025 to see true reversals. So they got the spending bill that they were looking for. They they wanted this in one big package early in his presidency, but now they've spread it out over a couple. No, that's exactly right. But, you know, again, just to show you that this really is about uh, policy and not really about politics, under the Biden administration, Republicans in Congress have been complicit in over a trillion dollars of excess spending. That's above and beyond what the government was already spending. So by no means is this only like a Democrat problem, for example. This is very much a problem with our current elected representatives. It just so happens that when some people do the analyses that they find that most of those people are Democrats, but by no means is it an exclusive problem. Yeah, that seems very troubling to me, too. It seems like no matter what party is in charge, it's always uh, more of the same. We don't really get any reduction or or back to traditional values. It, uh, it's more of the same. I thought I saw another poll. We're right up against a break here, but uh, I thought I saw another poll that there were uh, – uh, national economists, I think 44% of national economists brought out of Breitbart, if I'm not mistaken, said that they think the Fed po- economic policy is, uh, it's okay. It's doing all right now. I want to conversate about that. Plus, I want to ask specifically about some crazy things that I've heard are in this bill, whether or not they are or not. We're going to ask 
uh, EJ and Tony from the Heritage Foundation right after this very quick break. So don't go anywhere. A lot more to come here on Catholic Drive Time. Do us a favor and share us with a friend. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Dr. David Anders from EWTN's Call to Communion. I believe that the Ministry of Catholic Radio is one of the greatest tools we have in the Church for evangelism today. I hear from people all over the world on a daily basis who have encountered Christ in the Catholic Church for the first time by listening to Catholic Radio. Please support the Ministry of Catholic Radio today. Support Guadalupe Radio Network. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Does the word penance seem too Catholic and unnecessary? Are you fine with the reality of repentance, but not with the idea of penance? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, good parents. Your finest son throws a ball at his brother, who with precision ducks, thus breaking the window behind him. Of course, forgiveness is granted. You then punish him for disobeying the command to not horse around in the house, so here's the rub. You then tell your son to go break out his piggy bank and pay for the new window. Have you had to do that? If so, then guess what? You believe in penance, not just repentance. Secondly, food and beverage trends. We have Pepsi Light. We have Yogurt Light. We have Bud Light. But can we please stop with the Christianity Light? St. Cyprian in the 4th century wrote, quote, This penance is characterized by the exercise of tears, lamentation, fasting, and abstinence. Yikes. And thirdly, my take. Remember, forgiveness is for the guilty. Repentance is for the disciple. But penance is for the brave. Come on, non-Catholic pastor. Teach your flock penance. Find me online at Smarty Pants Catholic Evangelism. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. E.J. Antoni is our guest. He is a, uh, a fellow uh, at the Heritage Foundation. He's got a great article over there. I highly encourage you to check it out. It's called The Deceptive Marketing of the Inflation Reduction Act. You can find it linked up at heritage.org. Welcome back to the program, Mr. Antoni. Um, I want to ask about specifically, I've heard some crazy things about this bill. And I want to know whether or not they're in there. Can I ask for, to start with, how big is this uh, this Inflation Reduction Act? How many pages are we talking about? Oh, you know, that's a very good question. There were, there were so many versions of this that were uh, that were bantered around. You know, some of them ranged in length from, you know, only a few thousands of pages to tens of thousands of pages. <laughs> so in terms of the actual language, how much it was condensed in the final version, I'm not entirely sure. It's, sorry about that. That's a very good question. I like the way you said that. Uh, from a few thousand to 10,000, <laughs> like 8,000 8, would be considered insane to me. But uh, OK, because like who can read that? I'm, I can hear well, Nancy well, Pelosi's words in my though, ear right now. the bill to find out what's in it, right? <laughs> right That's exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just don't worry about it. I mean, like it, it just boggles the mind so many lobbyists are writing these bills and their sponsors have they ever even read them they're just bringing them to the floor for votes not even really knowing what the impact is it just seems utterly insane to me you'd think we would pass a law that prevents that from happening but it does nonetheless all right so let me ask about this i've heard that in this bill uh there is a a provision of a certain portion of the funds to buy a whole new fleet of postal trucks that are all electric have you heard that Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- there's all kinds of subsidies in here that are basically handouts to, uh, you know, to the political donor class, to different special interests. Uh, a lot of these so-called green technologies, which really aren't actually green at all. Once you look at the environmental impact mm-hmm. of creating solar panels, right. devices, which, by yeah. the way, don't even last 
to the age of maturity. Right. Think about that. There's not a solar panel in the country that's old enough to vote, right? <laughs> I mean, it is absolutely insane, the environmental mm -hmm. damage that we are doing mm -hmm. with all of this production of wind and solar technology. And yet that has now been enshrined into law at an ever-increasing rate. So buying a new fleet of postal trucks, which is powered by coal, uh, through the conversion of electricity, uh, somehow reduces our inflation somehow. Not sure how, but they they put it in this bill. And then, of course, uh, we I've heard that there are guaranteed loans to indigenous peoples. Yes, guaranteed loans uh, in that regard. Also, guaranteed loans again to different special interest groups that are involved with these so-called green technologies. So, if we all remember the Solyndra scandal, imagine that on steroids. And that is essentially what we have here. We have all of these green energy boondoggles that now are going to get special loans endorsed, or I shouldn't say endorsed, but really backed by the taxpayer so that if and when those loans go bad and those people default, the taxpayer is stuck with the bill yet again. Wow. Mr. Anthony, I have a, a question here. It's more of a, a theoretical question. Um, back when we were waiting for the GDP report to release uh, earlier, was it earlier this month, Joe, or the, the month before? Um, anyway, we were waiting for it to drop. July 28th. It was July. Uh, we were trying to figure out whether or not we were in a recession. And to go back to an earlier point you made uh, before the break about marketing, there seems to be a, a sort of marketing that has to happen from the Biden administration to tell us whether or not we're in a recession, kind of preemptively telling us, well, you know, this is it's they're going to say something. But the reality is we're fine. I, I want to ask you. What kind of marketing is there, and, and how does that uh, affect the mind of the, the average American? And as a follow-up, are we in a recession? Well, don't believe your lying eyes. The sky <laughs> is green, the grass is blue, right? And what's really ironic is that the very Biden, Biden administration officials that have been spinning so incredibly hard to try to tell us that two consecutive quarters of negative economic growth does not mean a recession, themselves have been on the record, whether in the recent past or in the far past, saying exactly that, that two consecutive quarters of negative economic growth is in fact the definition of a recession. For every, literally every economics course I've ever taught, that has always been the case. That has been written in the textbook, not a textbook that I wrote, but simply the textbook that we use. That has been the definition for I don't know how many years. In the last three quarters of a century, we literally have not had a single period of two consecutive quarters of negative economic growth that was not ultimately considered a recession. So that being said, yes, we are absolutely in a recession. And this is just the latest example of political spin, right? I mean, why on earth should we believe the same people who tried to redefine what a vaccine is or what a woman is? I mean, my goodness, you can't even tell us what a woman is. Why is anyone listening to these people? These are the same people that told us inflation was transitory. Yeah, Great point. that made me think. So what are they proposing as a definition for a in, for a recession? Because I've noticed that a lot of times they just say, well, yeah, that's not the definition, but they never actually present a actual definition. Like a new like, standard. Right, a new standard. Because like whenever they say, what is a woman? They're like, well, a woman is a woman. Are they saying, well, clearly a recession is just a recession? Like, What, what exactly are they def giving us? You know, it, it depends. For some people, they, they do present exactly that kind of tautology. You know, oh, recession is just a recession. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll know it when we see it, almost 
uh, Oliver Wendell Holmes-esque. But, you know, it's, it's just, again, the latest example of this Orwellian doublespeak where all I can tell you is, is almost a defina negativa, right? Like, oh, no, that thing over there or this thing right here that we're going through, this is not a recession. But I won't let you nail me down to an actual definition of recession because then I've given you something to which I can be held accountable, right? And that's the least uh, the least desirable thing for me, for someone who relies, again, on that Orwellian doublespeak in mm-hmm. order to get out of trouble. I need these words to be as flexible, as elastic, if you will, as possible, because that allows me to manipulate them to my own ends. All right, so let's talk about the 800-pound gorilla in the room, or the 87,000 uh, member gorilla in the room, and that is the IRS agents that we're now getting to hire. There was some uh, sort of crazy video going around Twitter this week about uh, the IRS visiting college campuses to recruit young students who are taking criminal justice and uh, accounting and say, hey, let me show you how to tackle a suspect and handcuff them. You know, it's, I mean, it's bizarre, but this bill provides I think the biggest chunk goes to the IRS, which means they're going to have more agents than the Marine Corps has Marines. As a guy who served in the Marine Corps, that is uh, quite scary to be thinking about. But clearly this is all just to go after the uber-rich, right, uh, Mr. Antony? Well, first of all, Semper Fi, but second of all, no, this is not in any way to go after the rich. Once again, the last thing politicians are going to do is go after their donor class. And sure enough, if you just look at the numbers for for a quick second, they say that all of these agents are supposed to go after all these you know billionaires. There's not even three thousand billionaires in the country, and they already face very high audit rates. In other words, they the IRS knows that they can't get any additional money from them, so they're going to go after the middle class. This is enough agents, according to the IRS's own projections to conduct over a million additional audits. Again, there's not enough rich people in the country in order to justify these numbers. So they're going to go after the middle class. Which is very scary. So how how does the average person uh, prepare for this? Um, What should they be doing or thinking about at this point in order to embrace for the impact? You know, unfortunately, there's very little that, that they can do. And, and I'll tell a quick story. I was speaking to a millionaire fr- friend of mine uh, three weeks yeah, three weeks ago, and he told me a story just a few years ago. He got an audit from the IRS, and it was for tens of thousands of dollars. He immediately took it to his tax accountants. They looked it over and said, this is utter hogwash. They're dead wrong because of X, Y, and Z. We have the receipts, literally and figuratively. So they took it to their tax attorneys, and the attorneys said, you are absolutely right. This is hogwash, but pay it, because it's going to cost you over a hundred grand in order to fight this in court. So it's only, the tax bill's only tens of thousands of dollars, just pay it. My friend said, no, I hate the IRS just to spite them, and because I don't (laughs) want them to get another dime of my money, we're gonna fight it. The attorneys shrugged their shoulder. They did. They took it to court. He won. It cost him over a hundred grand. But what's the average American going to do? What's your average Joe going to do? The person in the middle class is just going to have to unfortunately say, here's the check. And they're going to have to pay it because they don't have a hundred grand to fight a lawsuit that would only cost them several thousands of dollars. Yeah, that's terrifying, especially because I'm thinking of how many people it's like, if if you have a friend who's like, hey, can you uh, take pictures for my wedding, and uh, you give them 150 bucks or something like that to do that, 
are are people making this side money that are just like random hands of cash? Are these people going to be start getting audited for like the smallest things? Or what? It seems like this Aurelian very scary situation. What's what can we expect? You know, I'm not even sure so much that that we can expect people who have undeclared income to be attacked. I truly think this is just going to be. Uh, more or less like an at random kind of thing, almost a shotgun approach. You know, an experiment was done uh, a few years ago, I think it was by Steve Forbes, where he took a typical family of four's tax return, all of their receipts, all of their bills, et cetera, and he gave it to 42 different tax professionals. Every single one came up with a different tax return. Because Mm -hmm. when you have a tax code that's over 10 million words long, guess what happens? No one person knows everything in the code. And one of the reasons why the IRS is so unsuccessful in getting additional money out of billionaires, again, is because billionaires have the resources to hire the best of the best in terms of tax professionals who know that code inside and out because that is their job and that is what they're paid millions of dollars to do. And so they are the only ones equipped to actually fight these kinds of audits. Hmm. So it's not even so much a matter of the average American has to worry about, oh, I made a mistake and I got caught. It's more so a question of the IRS is accusing me of something and I don't have the resources to fight it, even if it's wrong, even if I'm actually in the right. Well, one of our CDT insiders, I think, brings up an excellent point. Our friend Damon says, uh, well, can we get this new IRS army to uh, go after Congress and maybe audit their books? Wouldn't that be fun? That would be a a very revealing process. But I guess we can expect that uh, the powerful and elite will continue to evade uh, transparency. But it's the average middle-class American who's going to feel the press on all of this. Absolutely. And, again, it, it goes right back to what we were talking about at the beginning of our conversation with all of these different tax increases on energy that are just gonna absolutely crush the middle class. They're gonna get hit both ways with this bill. But you know, who is, again, who is not affected? The Democrat donor class and really the Republican donor class too. And if you look at who's gonna benefit from all of these energy tax credits that are in this bill as well, mm-hmm. right? Oh, here's a 10 or $20,000 tax credit for that 80 or 90,000 uh, excuse me, yeah, eighty or 90000 electric car that you're going to buy. Yeah. Who's buying those vehicles? It's not the middle class. Right. Again, it's the donor class. All right, we're out of time with EJ and Tony from the Heritage Foundation. Go to heritage.org. God bless you, EJ. Thank you for your time today. Very insightful. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right, that's going to do it for hour number one. If you can join us in the next hour, Attorney Brent Taint's going to be our guest. Talk about a court case that impacts parents. We'll see you then. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. If Jesus brought two of the greatest Old Testament saints to meet with three of the greatest New Testament saints at the Mount of Transfiguration, can you say with any assurance that they were not alive, aware, and able to communicate? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Luke 9 says, quote, Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Did you catch that? They were talking with Jesus. That means they have cognitive capability. Secondly, heavenly friends. Those in heaven long for your prayer requests. Their intercession far exceeds your best friend's prayers here on earth. Sorry to say that. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. Well, Oral Roberts University has the prayer tower. TBN has a prayer department. Your home church probably has a prayer hotline. Well, guess what? Heaven has an on-demand, pure, unselfish prayer warriors known as the great cloud of witnesses. They're waiting on you. 
This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. Creating good habits is an important part of family life, especially at the beginning of a school year. St. Francis said, let us begin again, for until now we have done nothing. This is a great inspiration for us because we're probably the most consistently inconsistent parents out there and we're always beginning again. It's hard to create habits in ourselves, let alone in a group of children. To start a new family habit, you need to first sit down and create a plan with your spouse. Remember, most of us spend too much time on what is urgent and not enough time on what is truly important. Then you need to implement the plan together. Think about the pushback you're going to get from your kids and be ready to deal with it. Talk to the older kids ahead of time and try to get their buy-in. Connect any new habits with a bigger vision for your family life. And keep them motivated. Connect your habits with good things that kids like to do. Show them the positive consequences of their actions. For more information and encouragement, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Hi, I'm Father Preston Cantella from Our Lady of Perpetual Help in Sweeney and St. John the Apostle in West Columbia. You're listening to the AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. In spite of it all, going to get taxed at the Yazoo, as they say. (laughs) Do they say that? (laughs) What is a Yazoo exactly? Mm. Isn't it one of the... Oh, no, that's it's, a, it's de- a kazoo. Never mind. I, I think we can definitely all agree that this is a kerfuffle. Definitely. As the Scots would say. If not a kerfuffle, uh-huh. at least, a very least, a fuffle of some sort. At a minimum, it's a fuffle. It's a fuffle. But at a maximum, we could say it's a kerfuffle. Yes. Uh, so there's that. <laughs> of Scottish origin, apparently. Praise <laughs> be to God. Uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, we're going to be talking with Attorney Brent Haynes here in just a moment. as a very interesting case that he's going to catch us up on. But, boy, that is very concerning news about what uh, EJ and Tony just shared with us about. Mm-hmm. That seems like a, like there's no way around it. There's no way out of it. Like, brace for impact. Mm. Well, you know, I hate to be the, uh, the guy who points out the obvious thing, right? But mm-hmm. uh, what did you expect with uh, so many stimulus checks, inflation, right. and yeah. all that stuff? Exactly. Well, sooner or later, that convenient little check you got, it's mm-hmm. going to cost you something. And I think we're now just starting to realize. Chickens have come home to exactly. roost. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, and it ain't over yet. I mean, states like California, Alaska, there were several other states that are all sending out new stimulus checks now. What? Well, the thing with California, though, is the difference being is that California had a surplus uh, that they have. So they're what distributing. Is this? is this a Latin word, surplus? Yeah, believe it or not, California had a surplus. So they're but, actually distributing yeah. some of those stimulus checks mm-hmm. from the surplus. So we won't get that. And that won't uh-huh. be anything. I, you can, uh-huh. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that that's not going to affect the federal level. I think it's, but what it did, would not, it's already states. been affected. But it's still income that the individual citizen of California has. Yes. And if they pay state income tax, they have Which to is claim really that income on their taxes and then pay tax, you know. Exactly. So it's like. <laughs> Which is the nice thing about taxes. We don't, we don't have to pay income tax here. So yeah, that's but when they were putting good. stimulus checks in our account, you, you're like, but that's going to affect my tax return, people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, Hello. You know. Yeah. Well. Scary. 
I guess the uh, only thing we can do is uh, trust will surrender to divine providence at trust? this point. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But, uh, and, uh, I'm not sure what else the answer is. Yeah, really. it's not pretty... pay taxes. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, because yeah. even <laughs> if I, and I like the fact That's that dangerous. I like the fact that uh, Mr. Anthony Antony, I, I should have asked him exactly how to Antony? say Antony. I think as uh, how Tucker said, referred to him, but. Uh, I like the fact that he pointed out how the Republicans don't have a better reputation when it comes to tax and spend. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, they're just as bad, it seems, on the tax and spend issue, although we are told otherwise during campaigns. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah, that's it's pretty bad. On a completely different note, though, just as a aside, my buddy, Father Luis, today is his birthday. So I wanted to wish him a very happy birthday. So at least there's some good news. We have a the birthday of a of a good and holy priest today. Praise be to God. Well, happy birthday, Father Luis. It's his Jesus year. Yeah. So he turned 33 this year. Is that what they they call that? Yeah. This is Jesus Jesus year. year. That's interesting. Hey, if you missed that interview with EJ Antony from the Heritage Foundation, and you'd like to hear that, it was a very good interview. He was very insightful. I encourage you to check out our podcast feed at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. And you can also find the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, but also the Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app, which you can download from your iOS or Android app store. Just search for the Guadalupe Radio Network, and it's free. It's a very good tool to keep involved and connected to your local GRN radio station, as well as to listen to the CDT podcast in the flyout. So check that out in your app store. Praise be to God. Coming up uh, tomorrow, by the way, we're going to have a priest, speaking of priest, Father Van Fleet, my pastor, is going to be on to reveal all of my confession secrets to you. That's uh, true. So, either, but I did say, hey, there's, there's things I did not want to know. If we could talk about my wife's confessions, that'd be better. But uh, <laughs> he's like, I mm, can't do that. But yours for sure. Absolutely. Oh, so, tomorrow on the program, we're going to talk about how to make a good examination and a good confession, right? It's not just about, hey, don't feel bad. Don't worry. You're, you're a good person. No, 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 no. It's your opportunity to dive deep and root out. These uh, these flaws uh, that we suffer from are concupiscent nature. And Father Van Fleet, my pastor, is going to be on to help us with that. So stick around if you can for that. But joining us now by phone is our good friend, attorney, Catholic speaker, and pro-life advocate, Attorney Brent Haynes. Good morning to you, Brent. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. I don't know if you listened to the interview we had with uh, Mr. Antoni from the Heritage Foundation, but he had nothing but bright shine and good news to say 87,000 new IRS agents means one point something, what do you say, 1.4 million new audits in America? Woo! Are you ready for that? Well, in, in fact, somebody just pulled up outside my home in a dark sedan wearing suits and dark sunglasses, so I might have to go quickly. Is that the men in black? <laughs> That's fun. It starts early, doesn't it? All right. Uh, you brought they don't to my. Waste any time, Joe. They don't, I guess. Uh, well, all that new money, it's like money burning a hole in our pocket. We've got to spend it. All right, so are we, there's an interesting case here that you brought to my attention. The headline says, Judge dismisses lawsuit against school district hiding trans students' gender identity from parents. Why would a judge do this, and what is going on, Brent Haynes? Because parents can't be trusted, Joe. And, and that's, that's not hyperbole. I mean, that's the rationale, essentially, of this entire line of thinking. So... This was a school district in Maryland, in Montgomery County, Maryland, and left parents uh, think that this is something that doesn't concern them because they don't live in Maryland or perhaps even because they have the children in Catholic schools. Um, I hope they'll listen to the end of our brief discussion. Uh, essentially, the school had a, dist- a policy in the district that uh, would allow and actually encouraged parents 
to or encourage teachers not to tell parents that their children were were practicing a trans identity at school or were engaging in a trans identity, mm-hmm. you know, using uh, their opposite pronouns, using a different name, and some parents uh, filed suit against you know against the school district, saying, "Look, this violates our rights." Now, the Supreme Court, starting actually with a case back in 1925 called Pierce versus the Society of Sisters, a case involving a bunch of nuns who essentially took on the Ku Klux Klan in Oregon. Wow. The Supreme Court since, since 1925 has ruled uh, several times that parents have a fundamental right to direct the upbringing of their children, that this is an enduring American tradition. And this is the, you know, the issue uh, that came before the court in Maryland but what the court said was that the policy struck an appropriate balance between competing interests because it didn't apply to all parents or all children. You know, it allowed the school district to, uh, you know, to, to make a decision basically on a student by student basis. But what the policy does essentially is it says, you know, ask the child if they if their home is a safe and affirming environment, and that's the word you see in these policies all the time mm-hmm. is affirming. And so these parents filed suit which is what you do in a civil society, right? You, you go and you redress your grievances peacefully and rationally and try to have your rights vindicated, and the judge said no, and he ruled against them. Now, this was Maryland, but it's important for people to realize um, this isn't just Maryland, and this is not, this is also very important for people to realize, this is not just a matter of students who come under the influence of, say, social media, or students who, you know, sometimes really do have a problem with gender dysphoria. It is a genuine phenomenon. It's not just a matter, though, of these students just spontaneously or somehow outside of school coming up with, with, with this uh, situation and then coming to the attention of, of teachers. No, the schools across the country more and more are developing a curriculum and, in effect, an ideology that, trains and solicits and encourages a transgender identity. Wow. So for example, the uh the school uh, the school board uh in Los Angeles, the the Los Angeles United School District created a trans curriculum. And this is a a, a curriculum where they essentially promote the trans identity in California in in the in the California schools. And so we're talking about children going to school. They're exposed to these ideas. They, they undergo a lot of peer pressure. Some of them inevitably do this uh, to fit in, no doubt. Some of them are probably genuinely confused. Some of them, a few, do have genuine gender dysphoria. But then the school district's policy in Maryland and elsewhere is to when they're communicating with the parents is to deceive the parents by, first of all, not telling them their child is doing this. And then second of all, what they will do is they will use the child's real name and, as they put it in their policies, they will refer to the child according to their gender assigned at birth. Wow. And that way the parents are, the parents are deceived and the uh they're able to continue with this, and of course, the child is able to, you know, continues and and 
it starts to develop the kinds of problems that you you would expect. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, the article, by the way, uh, is out of the Christian Post. And again, the headline says, Judge dismisses lawsuit against school district hiding trans students' gender identity from parents. You know, and as I was going through this article and reading it this morning, Brent, I had that uh, that uh, almost hearing Hillary Clinton in the back of my mind. She wrote that book, It Takes a Village. You know, they've been wanting to push parental rights out for a very long time. They've worked very hard to be able to control. There is a war, it seems, over the next generation. It's not new. It's been around a long time, but they've really made some headway in the last couple of decades, wouldn't you say? Joe, that's it exactly. Um, they have, they're pushing this curriculum all across the country. Uh, it really gets to the point where you have to ask, uh, you have to ask, why are they so interested in, um, enforcing sexuality and sexual identity on children as young as three. Why do they insist, for example, on having drag shows, drag shows for three-year-olds around the country, for four-year-olds, for five-year-olds? The article, you're right, there's an article on this particular court case uh, in the Christian Post. There's also an article in the Washington Times. Rod Dreher, people will remember him from the Benedict Option, um, he has he has an article at his, his at his website, the American Conservative, and he traces the history of this idea, which goes back to it. It sounds like uh, conspiratorial thinking, but it really does go back to uh, fundamental Marxist ideology, where you cut off the parents from their the children from their parents. And thereby, you cut off the transmission of traditional ideas and values from one generation to the next. You capture the minds and the hearts of the youngest generation, and that helps in advancing your overall social programs. Wow. Um, you know, Rod Dreher, you know, references Huxley. Um, he, he goes on. So people, people can look this up in more than just say, a Christian-oriented newspaper like the Christian Post. This, this is being covered out there, mm-hmm. and uh, it'll continue to be covered. But, you know, that's one area. But look, Joe, uh, it's important for anybody with any parents out there with children in school to check their schools and to know what's going on. The, uh, a woman using a, a pseudonym named Charlie Jacobs wrote in the Daily Signal, actually a publication by the Heritage Foundation, she wrote a she wrote an article in the Daily Signal back in January describing the horror story of what happened when her child was in public school, starting with COVID, actually, uh, during around that time period. And she and her parents, like a, she and her father, her husband, like a lot of parents, overheard what was going on with the you know the video transmission of the classes uh, online and noticed that her daughter was being referred to by male pronouns and a male name. They start investigating. Uh, they end up uh, having this dis- disagreement with the public schools. So, Joe, they they thought that they could put their child, their daughter, into a Catholic school and be able to deal with this Yikes. problem. Yikes. And a lot of us would think that, right? Yeah. No. No. They, they, this is article. This is in the Daily Signal. And wow. if anybody goes online and just types in the name Charlie Jacobs, C-H-A-R-L-I-E. She describes her experience. 
she, the parents uh, went and met with the school officials over and over again. The school had a club that promoted the transgender ideology. A faculty teacher had to be present at all the meetings. The school knew about it. The principal, the school president, and the school priest opposed parents on this issue. Yikes. Well, we'll have to leave it there. Attorney Brent Haynes, thanks for bringing this up to to our attention, let's pray that the parents can maintain their rights to raise their kids according to their conscience in spite of the judge throwing this out. It's a dra- grave situation. Parents, pay attention while your kid goes to school. Hey, good news is on the other side of this break, we're going to play Fear and Trembling and have a good time playing the game show. That's coming up next. Call now. How should I respond to someone who wants to know if I've been saved or born again? Answer with a resounding yes. Tell them that it is through baptism that you are saved, just as the Bible says in 1 Peter 3.20, and that it is through baptism, water and the Spirit, that you are born again, just as the Bible says in John 3, verse 5. Many Protestants believe that they are saved by making a single act of faith at a single point in time in their lives. Nowhere does Scripture say such a thing. Catholics believe that salvation is a process which begins with our baptism and continues through our lifetimes, just as the Bible teaches us. Many places in Scripture talk about how one is saved, but not one of them says we are saved by one act of faith at just one point in time. Again, 1 Peter 3.20 says that we are saved by baptism. Hebrews 12.14 says that we will not see the Lord unless we are holy, and that we must strive for this holiness. Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15, it says we must forgive others or we will not be forgiven. Can you attain salvation if God hasn't forgiven you? No. So our forgiving others is necessary for our salvation. John 6 verse 54 says that we will have eternal life by doing something, eating the flesh and drinking the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In Matthew 19 verses 16 and 17, Jesus is asked directly what one must do to have eternal life. Did he say, accept me into your heart once and that's it? No. Jesus said to keep the commandments and you will have life. Yes, as Catholics we are born again, and as Catholics we believe that we were saved, as Paul says in Romans 8.24, that we are being saved, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.8 and that we will be saved, as Paul says in Romans 5, verses 9 and 10, provided we persevere and keep our eyes on the prize. Salvation is a process, just as Catholics believe and just as the Bible clearly teaches. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling, (laughs) the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot, 877-757-9424. And now your host... Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's good to have you back on the show where we have secrets and agendas that you're not allowed to tell anybody. Okay? So just, you know, yeah, keep it on the down low. Promise? There are a few things we like to do. Um, Keep it between us. But we like to teach the faith. You know, we just want to be sneaky about it. And you're just going to learn something you didn't know. And today, there's at least one question. You're probably going to learn something you didn't know. And you'll be able to brag about it at upcoming tea parties or cocktail, uh, Christmas gatherings. I mean, just think. You're going, to be, you're going to just be the star of the party. As they say in Ireland, you're going to become a good crack. Joe. All right? 
We haven't even had Thanksgiving mm-hmm. yet. You're talking about Christmas? Everybody takes naps after Thanksgiving, so there's no actual social gathering. It's just nap time mm. and food. But Christmas, however, is a different story. So we're, we're saving up for that. We're preparing uh, for that. And that's number one. Number two, we like to have a good laugh, a good chuckle. And our callers are actually amazing. It's certifiable, praise be to God. But we give out prizes, which means it's a winner for everybody involved. But if you're new here, let me explain. I do have three Catholic trivia questions sitting before me. But the kicker is we do not ask the caller the questions. They don't need to know a single correct answer, but could still win our game because instead of asking them, I shall ask Rudy, I shall ask Adrian, one of which will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And every correct answer will go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Dear listener here at Catholic Drive Time, we listen. We hear you. <laughs> and we've gotten many messages, actually, about how you want to get mean? your hands on a CDT mug. Really? It's not just any mug. It's a, it's a replica of Ooh. the coffee cup of divine providence. Yeah. The one, the only, the one that we have here that's guarded by lasers, attack dogs, yeah. uh, nuclear codes, mm-hmm. and all sort of things. Volunteers. So this week, we're going to be giving away another CDT prize back with an autographed mug wow. and some other goodies. And... I just want to say, Mm -hmm. I've done Mm -hmm. my own personal research on this. Mm -hmm. Any beverage that you drink from this cup, Mm -hmm. it tastes at least 70% better. At least. So if you have the worst coffee, you're talking about gas station coffee, it's going to taste like at least Dunkin' Donuts. Amen. Dunkin's the gold standard. So maybe like like go one step below like a Starbucks or like a Krispy Kreme or... You know what they say, like there's no accounting for taste, I guess. You know, every <laughs> every cup of coffee I've ever had in a coffee cup of Divine Province <laughs> has tasted like just the most amazing coffee yeah. I've ever had. How many, is, how many, just off the top of you, how many cups would that equate to? Um, hmm. Anyway, going to the, uh, <laughs> go the phones. Uh, um, uh, <clears throat> anyway, praise be to God. All right, let's go to the phones. Uh, Mike from Midland, Texas. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. Good morning. From from the homeland, from the heartland, from from the motherland, from uh, the home office for the Guadalupe Radio Network, Midland, Texas. Where do you go to church, Mike? Uh, St. Stephen's Catholic Church. Hey, now. Praise be to God. Well, we're very grateful you're on the show today, Mike. And uh, are you familiar with this game? Do you know how it all works? Uh, yes, I've listened to you all before, so I know how it works. Oh, well, that's good. Any at, uh, Any opinions on... Maybe where the tricky spots are, or the tricky people are, Mike. Well, I think uh, Adrian's pretty tricky, so I gotta watch <laughs> that. What? Thank you. Uh, I feel vindicated well now. Yes, this is this is like this is Mike, almost blasphemy. I I have never met you, but I have a feeling you are a wise and uh, very astute, attractive elder statesman. So, a good uh, crack. Yeah, you're I'm, you're a good crack, as they would say in Ireland. I'm terribly wounded. <laughs> are oh, you? Oh yeah. Oh, yes, I went to Ireland with the wife in 2018 on a Steve Ray pilgrimage. Oh, that's fun. And there, there is good crack in Ireland. It's a good time. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys, you know, Robert Ugin, are you listening? <laughs> All right, praise be to God. We're about to play, Mike. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let me get my bell just in case. It'd be God's holy will. All right, uh, we'll start with Team Rudy, as is our custom, our patrimony, our 
church-approved tradition. Praise be mm. to God. Are you ready, Team Rudy? Yes, I'm ready. Uh, Mike, uh, you should know Rudy is not wearing a tie today. Nope, not so today. Correlate that information as you see fit. But we were going to start with one of my favorite of all types of questions, a history question. And uh, Rudy, could you tell me, what year did Pope St. Pius X die? St. Pope Pius X of happy memory died in 1914. 1914. Very yes. significant year in the history of the world. He was the last real pope. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? No, curveball. <laughs> One no. of my favorite popes. All right, so your answer yes. is 1914. 1914, okay. that's right. Okay. Adrian, I know you have advanced doctorates in history. Could you tell me what year did Pope St. Pius X die? Well, coincidentally, I actually have my yeah. PhD in Piuses. Ooh, so very specific. I know, I know all about the, uh, the 12 mm-hmm. Piuses. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, An expert, one might say. Okay. And okay. so I'm going to say that yeah. he was canonized in 19... I mean, sorry, not t- canonized. Died. Died. In 1963. Yeah. 63? Mm-hmm. Huh. Interesting. Not that long ago. Uh, so during the Vatican Council. Inter- the, or I should say, forgive me, the Council. Uh, uh, so, all right. Mike and Midland, you've got options. Adrian says 1963 for Pius X's passing. Uh, whereas Rudy says St. Pius X died in 1914. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Mike and Midland, what say you? We're out of time, Mike. I'll go with Rudy. Survey says. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wise man. Wise man. Well played, Mike. Of course, 1914 is the correct answer. World War One. Very significant year. Yeah, 1963 is the year John 23rd died. Yeah. It's just too bad he died right before Our Lady came. Oof. Yeah. That would have been cool. But he's a saint. Praise be to God for it. All right. You're in the cup, Mike. You could win. Let's go to this next one. Now, this next one, I'm going to say there's going to be a lot of people who are going to learn something new about the Catholic faith in this next question. It could be tricky. It could be hard. Or maybe you got it. This is the easiest question we've ever had, actually. You think so? I think so. Ever? Ever. Okay, well, hmm, easily, I don't think so. But let's just see what Mike says. Mike, we're going to go with Rudy first, or forgive me, Adrian first on this one. Adrian, can you tell me? I-H-S. Mm-hmm. The okay. monogram for Christ's holy name okay. is represented by what three Greek letters? Oh, wow. Yes, so the IHS, the monogram for Christ's holy name, mm-hmm. is represented by the Greek letters. Okay. Alpha, Psi, and Omega. Really? Mm-hmm. Alpha, Psi, and Omega, you mm-hmm. say? That's what I'm saying. IHS, Alpha, Psi, Omega. That's your answer. That's what I'm saying. All right. Uh, Rudy, um, it's all Greek to me, but could you tell me what the IHS monogram for Christ's holy name is represented by what three Greek letters? You know, I always thought that meant in hoc signo, but uh, apparently it's iota eta sigma. Iota eta sigma is your answer. That's right. Okay. And I had to look that up because I'm not a frat boy. <laughs> no? I don't know my I don't know my Greek letters. I was in Phi Beta Kappa. Does that count? Probably huh. not. All right. Phi Beta <laughs> Kappa. Is all that, right. I don't want to know. You don't want to know. Um, all right, Mike. You got options. This is a tricky one. IHS. We see these on altars, on vestments. We see them all over the place. IHS. Are the Greek letters iota, eta, and sigma, as Rudy says, 
or what was yours? Alpha, Alpha Psi Omega. Alpha Psi Omega, as Adrian says. Who is right? Who is wrong? Mike, what say you? I gotta go with Adrian on that one. No, 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 no. I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, Mike. Uh, Al- Mike. Alpha Psi Omega is mm. Uh, mm. the theater honor society. Yeah, no. That I was in in college. <laughs> uh, my deepest condolences, Mike. Uh, yeah, Adrian threw a curveball the lower right corner. Uh, it is the correct answer is Iota, Eta, and Sigma for IHS. But hey, we learned something that counts. Praise be to God. But the good news is, Mike. This next question is easily the easiest question of the history of questions. Ever. This is actually the hardest question we've ever had in the no history way. of Kathy Drive. No possibility of it. It is so easy. I, I don't even think we should ask you. This is put the Mike's name in the cup a second time. This There's is, no bother. Uh, this okay. is no bother. This uh, is the hardest question we've like, ever had. It's such a give me. It's completely over. Huh. All right, well, let's try it anyway. We're going to go back to Rudy with what little time we have left. Where is the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception, Rudy? Well, that happens to be in Washington, D.C. And just as a quick aside, you should consecrate yourself to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Okay. Seems reasonable. Uh, Adrian, could you tell me where is the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception? The National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception. Well, a lot of us have been there. I actually have not, but one of our CDT insiders was just there not that long ago. Some would say. Some I've would been say. There, yeah. And that was in Birmingham, Alabama. What? Birmingham, Alabama. Really? Yep. The wow. site of EWTN. Okay. They built mm-hmm. the National Shrine of Immaculate Conception there. <laughs> Who knew? Yep. Uh, all right. The site of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception, which I have visited, it's quite lovely. Is it in Birmingham, Alabama, as Adrian is saying, or in Washington, D.C., as Rudy is suggesting? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Mike in Midland, what say you, sir? Well, I told you Adrian was tricky, but I'm definitely going with Rudy on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Adrian, yes. did you say Birmingham? No, Birmingham, Birmingham. Hansville would have been when a, a trickier burnt. answer, maybe, but uh, where the shrine is. But you are correct. Washington, D.C. is where the National Shrine of the Mac Conception is. It's quite lovely. Mike, have you been there? Uh, no, I've not, but I'd like to go. The mosaics are off the chain, as the kids say these days. Do the kids say that actually, or is that like they a? Say, I have no idea. Yeah. It's quite lovely. It's quite. No, I don't think epic kids are saying. And they say no cap, no cap. They say base, base, no cap. Okay, Mike. Uh, real, praise be to God. You're in the cup for far, two. Far. Congratulations. Thanks for playing our game, and having a laugh with us today. Thanks a lot, guys. God bless you, Mike. We're gonna put you on hold, but you have a great day. Whatever you're doing today, we'll be praying for you. That's going to do it for the radio side. Dear listener, come hang out with us on the after show where we get to conversate directly about whatever is on your mind. That comes up uh, on the live video feeds, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, etc. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT for all those links. Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow with Father Van Fleet. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the Memorial of St. Rose of Lima. 
The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Come thou almighty King, help us thy name to sing, help us to praise, Father all-glorious, or all-victorious, come and reign over us, ancient of days. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And with your spirit. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to, to Almighty God, God and to and you, to you, my brothers and sisters, sisters that I have, have greatly sinned in my, in my thoughts, thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask the Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie eleison. Christe eleison. Christe eleison. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie eleison. Let us pray. O God, you set St. Rose of Lima on fire with your love, so that, secluded from the world, in the austerity of a life of penance, she might give herself to you alone. Grant, we pray, that through her intercession we may tread the paths of life on earth and drink at the stream of your delights in heaven. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the second letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. We ask you, brothers and sisters, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our assembling with him, not to be shaken out of your minds suddenly, or to be alarmed either by a spirit or by an oral argument, or by a letter allegedly from us to the effect that the day of the Lord is at hand. Let no one deceive you in any way. To this end he has also called you through our gospel to possess the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the traditions that you were taught, either by an oral statement or by a letter of ours. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting encouragement and good hope through his grace, encourage your hearts and strengthen them in every good deed and word. The Word of the Lord. The Lord comes to judge the earth. The Lord comes to judge the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord is King. He has made the world firm not to be moved. He governs the peoples with equity. The Lord comes to judge the earth. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and what fills it resound. 
Let the plains be joyful in all that is in them. Then shall all the trees of the forest exult. The Lord comes to judge the earth. Before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to rule the earth. He shall rule the world with justice and the peoples with his constancy. The Lord comes to judge the earth. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Word of God is living and effective, able to discern reflections and thoughts of the heart. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You pay tithes of mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier things of the law, judgment and mercy and fidelity. But these you should have done without neglecting the others. Blind guides who strain out the gnat and swallow the camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You cleanse the outside of cup and dish, but inside they are full of plunder and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, cleanse first the inside of the cup, so that the outside may also be clean. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In that first reading from the second letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians, it's interesting what St. Paul says is, do not be shaken out of your minds suddenly. What had happened is that people were going around even writing letters in Paul's name saying that the Lord was coming and he was coming soon. Or there was somebody who had a shirt on one time that said, the Lord is coming, look busy. <laughs> the thing is to be busy about the right things. But what was happening is people were leaving their jobs, they were leaving their families, sometimes even their wives. They were going nuts because the Lord was coming and they were wanting to get prepared. Well, they had that right. They, want, they should be prepared because the Lord is coming and so, and so is his judgment. And yet, but they were a bit, a bit too quick. And, uh, and they were doing things that were not, not really in harmony with what Paul had taught them, the traditions that he had in, um, imbued in them. So the last part of that first reading is actually so important. St. Paul says, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting encouragement and good hope through his grace, encourage your hearts and strengthen them for ev in every good deed and word. So to find that encouragement and strength in the Lord, not to be shaken in, out of our minds, out of fear, or, or of, uh, of fear of judgment. I mean, we should have some good fear. That is, that the Lord, yes, we have to make an account of our life. We are we going to sense be placed in the scales, and hopefully we are not found wanting. But that we really weigh things correctly. And this is where the gospel comes in, what Jesus says. He continues his, uh, um, I say his judgment upon the Pharisees, the scribes, calls them hypocrites, because what had happened is that they had and we can tend to do this too, put so much importance on the small things 
and totally forget the most important things. So he said the most important were judgment and mercy and fidelity, but they were, they were more concerned to make sure that they had put their proper tithes on mint and dill and cumin. So he says they strain the gnat and swallow the camel. I think we could do this by sometimes uh, being so over-concerned about the small things and forgetting the big ones. Sometimes if I look at I think of it this way, sometimes people, they'll come to confession and they'll confess that I, they got angry at somebody for their family members. But then they don't really confess that they're living with somebody that they shouldn't be. <laughs> That's the thing that we really have to focus on, the bigger thing. And the other thing will come, will come along. But sometimes we, we look at just the small things, I got upset, I got angry, and we forget we did not really treat this person over here with respect. That would be justice, you know? So we need to make sure that we weigh those things correctly. And Jesus says, you know, the, the thing about being angry with somebody or those little things, not that they're not important, but we have to put them in the proper perspective. And that's what the Lord helps us to do. He also reminds us that we can't just look like we're, we're doing well and holy, or as, as I was mentioning that the person says, you know, the Lord is coming, look busy. No, we need to be busy. Busy about the right things. That, uh, that is of judgment and mercy and fidelity, making sure that we are pure and holy in the sight of God. We need to cleanse the inside of the cup so that the outside is clean as well. St. Rose of Lima really understood this. She was uh, a, a, really a laywoman who became a third order Dominican, and she lived her life in a very austere way. She was called the Rose of Lima because she was very beautiful. In fact, she would do things to her face so that people wouldn't look at her beauty. Um, but she lives a very, very austere life. And the greatest desire of her soul, as we read in the Office of Readings today, was to go out to, to tell everyone in the world how much God loved them. So if you only understood how much God loves you, you would turn away from all of your sin. So she had this tremendous desire for the weightiest things in the world, that is, the salvation of our souls. The greatest urgency she understood and the greatest urgency we have is the salvation of souls. That is the weightier thing. So let us, as we, if we were to put our lives in a scale, in a balance, where would we go? <laughs> would we fall, that is to fall in love, to fall in, uh, in, in the God's goodness and grace into his hands? Or would we kind of float off away from him <laughs> because we have put the, the weightier things off to the side and have been more concerned with the small things? May St. Rose of Lima help us to recognize the value, the weight of our soul, and may we get rid of all those things which would keep us uh, from coming to Christ and those things which are, make us impure in his sight. So when we come to judgment, the Lord will say, come, good and faithful servant. Let's bring our prayers and petitions before our Heavenly Father. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for all the needs of the church. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let us pray for Christians everywhere, especially those who experience persecution, that they may be encouraged by the encouragement of Christ, that they may be strengthened and remain faithful to the Lord. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all those who govern us, that they may be concerned not only for the needs of their own nations, but for all peoples, especially the most vulnerable and always respecting life. We pray to the Lord. 
Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the poor, for those who are suffering, for those who are sick, and they experience the consolation of God in their hearts, in their minds, in their bodies. The Lord would heal them according to his holy will. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let's pray for all those who are joining us online, the Guadalupe Radio, for their intentions. For those who are en enrolled in our Salt Mass Association, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And let us pray for those who have died, for all the holy souls in purgatory, that they may rest in peace, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we bring all of our prayers and petitions before you, confident that you hear and answer us through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. O worship the King, all glorious above. O gratefully sing His power and His love. Our shield and defender, the Ancient of Days, pavilion in splendor and girded with praise. O tell of His might, O sing of his grace, whose robe is the light, whose canopy space. His chariots of wrath, the deep thunder clouds form, and dark is his path on the wings of the storm. The earth with its store, of wonders untold, Almighty thy power, that founded of old, hath established it fast by a changeless decree, and round it hath cast like a mantle the sea. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and good of all his holy church. As we proclaim your wonders, O Lord, in the Virgin, Blessed Rose of Lima, we humbly implore your majesty that as her merits are pleasing to you, so too our dutiful service may find favor in your sight through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit, lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for in the saints who consecrated themselves to Christ for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, it is right to celebrate the wonders of your providence, by which you call human nature back to its original holiness, and bring it to experience on this earth the gifts you promised in the new world to come. And so with all the angels and saints we praise you, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, 
Pleni sunt celia terra, gloria tua. Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini. Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we, who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. Rose of Lima, and with all the saints at whose constant intercession in your presence, we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth. With your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you, in your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. 
to our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow in the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Precepti salutaribus moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere. Paternoster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat renum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis odie, Et imite nobis ebita nostra, sicud et nos timidimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the, the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other sign of peace. On you stay, qui tulis peccat amundi, nobis. On you stay, Qui tolis peccat amundi, miserere nobis. On you stay. Qui tolis peccat amundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold, the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. There is one thing I ask of the Lord, 
Only this do I seek, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Godhead here in hiding, whom I do adore. Masked by these bare shadows, shape and nothing more. See, Lord, at thy service, low lies here a heart. Lost, all lost in wonder. At the God thou art Seeing, touching, tasting Are in thee deceived House has trusty hearing That shall be believed What God's Son has told me Take for truth I do Truth himself speaks truly, or there's nothing true. On the cross thy Godhead made no sign to men. Here thy very manhood steals from human ken. Both are my confession. Both are my belief, and I pray the prayer of the dying thief. Let us pray. <clears throat> Renewed by partaking of this divine gift, we pray, O Lord our God, that by the example of the blessed Rose of Lima, bearing in our body the death of Jesus, we may strive to hold fast to you alone through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go, go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Praise my soul, the King of Heaven. To his feet thy tribute bring, Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, Evermore his praises sing. Alleluia, alleluia, Praise the everlasting King. Praise Him for His grace and favor To His people in distress 
Praise Him still the same as ever, slow to chide and swift to bless. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. My name's Alyssa Vigil from St. Ignatius of Loyola.